All right, I will pray and we'll get started. Heavenly Father, thank you for gathering us here today to look into your word. And we ask that by the Holy Spirit, we come to know you better. We come to see ourselves more clearly and that uh, we will see that you are God that keeps your promises. We ask that um, we come to know the truth and the lie and uh, it helps us proclaim the gospel to those who do not know you. We ask these things in uh, your son's name. Amen. Okay. Today we are going to look, well first off I need to give credit where credit is due. Um, this may be a little bit of a tag team operation here today. Bob uh, uh, wanted me to go golfing with him so he helped me with this a little bit here so we'd, we'd have time to go t uh, get around to golfing this week. So um, he helped me with this uh, a, a lot in the PowerPoint stuff and some of the, con and some of the content. So. Um, we'll be tag teaming here a little bit, and I invite you guys to all make this conversational. When I used to teach the kids um, um, back uh, at the other church, um, I taught uh, through, I actually never got through it, I was teaching John MacArthur's Fundamentals of the Faith, and it's a 13-lesson um, uh, uh, class, and uh, I got through 10 of the classes in the entire school year because there was just so many things to talk about, and that's kind of like the way I, I like to teach, so I encourage everyone to, uh, to uh, join in in the conversation, and uh, I think we all learn, learn good that way. See, we're, we're, so we're going to be looking today into the truth versus the lie. And as we see on our opening slide here, kind of the quintessential uh, verse for that, uh, Romans 1.25. And this is from the New King James Version. And one of the things that uh, we worked on here, Bob did all the exegetical work, and we're going to use a lot of different uh, interpretations today uh, to find the best, lang uh, best English uh, um, um, translation of bringing out the truth and the lie. Um, Romans 125 from the New King James Version, um, we pick it up uh, in the middle. It says, who exchanged the truth of, the, uh, of God for the lie. And um, the end of this verse is kind of the consequences of what happens. And we're going to dig into all this here and see, see how we get there and see how it affects us. But the end of verse 25 reads, and worshiped and served the creator rather than the creator who was blessed forever. The creature worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. So, thank you. Keep me into straight and narrow. Um, so, we're going to be looking at a lot, of, a lot of familiar verses today, but um, one of the axioms we have here at Gospel Grace Fellowship is you cannot wear out a scripture verse. So, um, we'll just uh, dig into those and uh, we'll be examining the, the lie and the truth as scripture reveals it. Um, we see here in this first verse who exchanged the truth of God for the lie. And uh, um, the Bible is uh, full of very bad exchanges, you know, as we'll see today. And they're all rooted in this wicked exchange. Um, the truth of God for the lie of the evil one. And there are grave consequences for the exchange. And we need to be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power we need to put on the full armor of God so that we can take our stand against the devil's schemes. Um, we look at Ephesians 1.13. This is from the ESV. We're looking at here the truth is the gospel. Ephesians 1.13a reads, In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. So we see that the gospel and the truth is salvific, but the word of truth is parallel with the gospel. This actually reads in the Greek, literally, the word of the truth. It's, uh, uh, this is the true gospel which alone brings salvation. Now, when we talk about truth, um, so anyway, backtracking just a little bit, there's two definite articles in the first part of that scripture as it literally reads. It reads, the word of the truth with two definite articles. Then we actually have a third definite article, the gospel. When we think about truth, um, um, that doesn't mean, as we often hear, and Bob has an, uh, something he's going to share with us too, that we hear the saying all the time, all truth is God's truth. Well, yeah, all, all truth is 
God's truth, but it's not salvific truth. And it get, people obfuscate the truth, and they try and confuse us with things that are true, uh, but they're not biblical. And um, so it doesn't mean anything with characteristic or veracity, but specifically the truth revealed by God about salvation through the work of Christ, that is the gospel. That's the truth we're looking at. So, Bob, do you want to share that email exchange you just had? Yeah, I, I was doing a little emailing. That's my main ministry nowadays, how I share the gospel. And this had to do with how churches before that seminaries brought in the worldly counseling, psychology, psychiatry, uh, temperament studies, anything you can imagine, and they justified it by saying all truth is God's truth. Now, this goes back a long ways, because when I was in Bible college in the early 70s, in Assemblies of God Bible College, they had a counseling class because they had to because of the accreditation system. And I was telling Mike, it was interesting, even the students called it carnal counseling. That's what the students called it. Now, they, it wasn't really that pernicious, but, it's so, but after that, eventually it got worse and worse to the point where they started actually believing it. Then they started thinking, this is how pastors are going to be successful. They're going to learn how to be psychologists and, and counselors and dispense human wisdom, and we're going to solve people's problems. It's going to draw people into the church. So... I had a little email exchange, and here's what I said about what's wrong with that. It assumes that revealed truth from Scripture is to be equated with anything that may have the characteristic of veracity, as if the truth that Jesus Christ is God incarnate will not do us any more good than squares have four sides. They conflate general revelation with special revelation. Do you know those categories? Special revelation is what's revealed by God through the scripture, through his ordained spokespersons. General revelation are things we can learn studying the creation. And there are two different categories. Okay. Uh, John seventeen seventeen tells us, sanctify them into truth. Jesus prayed, thy word is truth. So what is sanctifying is revealed truth, which most specifically is the gospel. And everything that goes along with it is revealed under the new covenant. So they're saying God's truth to describe psychological theory, ironically, that many times isn't even true according to general revelation because they can't prove it. And so we're wasting millions and millions of dollars, countless hours, diluting the message of churches, confusing the saints, failing to give people what they need to be sanctified. And we're doing all that because we came up with this brilliant idea, all truth is God's truth. Dear ones, the truth is the gospel. It's not anything you might know that's accurate. Do you see the difference? Four plus four equals eight doesn't save you. No. Okay. Right? Amen. Amen. So thank you, Bob. Yes, Eric. You want lots of conversation, so I'll I'll volunteer, you I know, just you in might. the spirit of that. <laughs> and so if I if I'm understanding this, I'm trying to put this into an if then statement. Okay. So if it's from God, it's true. That's great. All right? And that's the gospel, and that's, that's the biblical truth, you know. If it's from God, it's true. But then what man seems to do is to say, if it's true, according to what we think, then it's from God. And then it becomes speculation, and all kinds of error gets in there. In other words, I'm just speculating that, or kind of trying to yeah. make this into a two, kind okay. of a parallel logical statement. And they make a false statement there. Let me take a stab at it, Bob. Go ahead. Okay, go for first, it. then you can correct me. So, so if, <laughs> in other words, I think people say, people say, if I can reckon that this is true, 
this must be from God. I would say that you're talking about a different category. Okay, but they get into trouble when they do that. Oh, that, yeah, that's, that's all your own imagination. That's not the word of God. That's, you know, that right. is, I'm, that's autonomy. This is what I think, you know, and because, you know, I'm self-ruling. I, 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 I'm my own God, and that's, we're going to be looking at that here today. But we're talking about a category of truth. Mm-hmm. Tires are round and yeah. tires are made out of rubber. That's true, but it's not salvific. But the truth, we're looking at the definite article today, the truth is the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's the important truth. Not all truths are equally important. Saving truth. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, see, generally you go to Deuteronomy 29, 29, and uh, there's another category, if you want the whole story, three categories. Revealed truth, that God revealed through his prophets, his son, his apostles. General revelation, what we're able to learn studying the creation, which is valid. That's how we have occupations, okay? It doesn't save us, but it's God's common grace that we can live on the earth. Third category, occult. Spiritual mm-hmm. ideas that are forbidden by God that are gained through forbidden methods. So you look at Deuteronomy twenty nine twenty nine. I've been doing this. These articles I wrote were back in the nineties. They had to deal with some of the stuff in the seminary. So they actually bring in things like Carl Jung, who had a spirit guide named Philemon. And that's where he got his material. And they're calling that all truth is God's truth. That's not even general revelation. It's occult. Mm-hmm. See, mm-hmm. occult is forbidden. General revelation is not forbidden. <coughs> but it's not the gospel. It doesn't save you. It doesn't sanctify you. It's God's common grace so you can have a job. And you can take care of your house. And you can do the things you need to do. You can distinguish between food and poison. <laughs> the truth is the ultimately is focused on the gospel of Jesus Christ. Yes. The truth, the gospel. And whatever is revealed in scripture is true because God revealed it and the Bible says God cannot lie. Revealed truth are things we would not have known had God not chosen to reveal them. So what Mike is showing us is that spiritually, there's two different messages in the world, and there have been since the Garden of Eden. The truth and the lie. And we'll look further. One will save us, the other will damn us. That's right. Okay. End of class. No. Uh, um, (laughs) Donut time, yes. All right, and uh, I just to drive this point home a little bit, these phrases, the truth and the gospel, are appositional. And I just wanted to say that word because uh, Eric taught appositional last week. <laughs> and, I, and I had to dig into it a little bit and say, okay, I got it, I've got it now. I think I'll keep it for at least a week. Um, but, uh, and then Bob says, yeah, they're synonymously parallel. And I actually remembered that. So they're saying the same thing. The truth is the gospel. And then there's just one other point here before we move on to the next slide. It, it, it says in here, and this uh, is just a kind of an application very quickly. It says, in him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel, your salvation, what that implies is that we need to hear the gospel, uh, uh, the salvific good news. The gospel must be heard, as we read in Romans 10, 17. Um, everyone should know this one, right? Uh, so... So faith uh, comes from uh, the word of hearing, and uh, so faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ, okay? So the gospel needs to be heard, and it also needs to be believed, as we see in John 1, 12, which reads, here we go, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. So in order for it to be salvific, we need, it needs to be heard and needs to be believed, and that uh, is incumbent upon us then to be evangelizing and preaching the word. 
Colossians 1.5. Um, this is an interpretation from the uh, Logos Bible software. That's that, uh, in parentheses there, Lexham. Uh, this is how they interpret it, this, uh, this uh, verse, Colossians 1.5, which reads, Because of the hope reserved for you in heaven, which you have heard about beforehand in the word of truth, the gospel. So here we see it again, the word of truth, the gospel. It is uh, synonymously parallel. Okay, um, they're appositional. The truth can be used as shorthand for the gospel. It literally says again, the word of the truth, the gospel. Just hammering this point ho home. Um, and this is very common in the New Testament. Most of the time when we see the word truth, it's about the gospel. And the truth is the hope reserved for you. Now, how comforting is this? Because it, it, it's not only about having been saved from sin, but our assured future sanctification and glorification. So a wonderful hope. And, and uh, this is God's word, and this is one of his promises. It's a hope reserved for us. Amen. So, um, as Bob already alluded to in his email here, uh, Jesus prayed, uh, you know, for... The, uh, uh, his disciples in John 17, 17, sanctify them in your truth, your word is truth. And I also made a couple notes here about John uh, 17, 8 and 14. And um, I will look those up here. If you guys want to turn to it as well, John 17. And uh, I'll see why I made that note. Refresh my memory here. And see, 17, John the 17. Yep. Yep. And the people in the city uh, authorities were disturbed when they heard these things, right? Is that John 17? Oh, I'm, I'm in Acts. Sorry, I'm sorry. I'm in Acts. I went a little too far. Thank you. Go ahead and read it, John. Here, I'll read it. John seventeen eight. Yep. Because the words that you gave me, I have given them. They have received them, and have known for certain that I came from you, and they have believed that you sent me. So Jesus is the sent one, the apostle. The words came from the Father. Jesus gave them to the disciples. The disciples wrote them down, and they become our New Testament, either they or their associates. So what we have came from God, and it's the truth. That was John 17, 8. Yep. Thank you. And uh, um, just to address what very applicable, and I went on to John 17, 14, just to kind of, because we're going to get into... Second Thessalonians here and look at future uh, deception and such. But th this, this also kind of, uh, to me, uh, explains, you know, what, what we expect and what we experience here in, in uh, John 17, 14. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. And that just explains our experience here a lot here in, in this. So I wanted to just touch briefly on that as well. Um, it's the world is getting stranger and stranger to, uh, to those of us that <laughs> believe believe his word. And uh, it's funny, I was uh, just listening to uh, some teaching here a while ago. I don't know if any of you are familiar with Phil Johnson, uh, John MacArthur's uh, uh, right-hand man. Uh, um, and he was talking about uh, proving the existence of God. Wonderful sermon that was given not too long ago. But he talked about back in the 50s and 60s how the atheists, you know, there was some woman, and I wish I could remember her name, she was uh, just an angry, uh, uh, that might be her, she, she, she thank you, and she uh, organized the first national uh, uh, atheist convention and 12 people showed up, and that was like uh, the late 50s, early 60s or something like that, very angry woman. And the Camerons came into the room, and two of the people in the, uh, in, in the conference hid underneath the tables until the cameras left, because that was just back in the late 50s, early 60s, as far as atheism goes. It was not <laughs> a real popular position to have. And he made the point that now it's practically the opposite. The atheist conventions are 
are, are absolutely well attended. And if you have a Christian conference, you know, they're trying to get us to hide under the tables. I mean, that's just, just the way that, you know, that our society has just degraded so much in that, in that period of time. Her son became a Christian. Oh, I did not know that. Her son became a Christian. Well, praise God for that. You know, he uses all things, right? <laughs> yeah. So God only speaks truth because God cannot lie. And we can trust him. And that's from Titus 1, 2. Okay, now we're back to our opening slide, uh, the evil exchange, Romans 1.25, New King James Version again, who exchanged the truth of God for the lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever, amen. Um, this began in the Garden of Eden, and we're going to see that in the next slide. But the truth and the lie, as Bob mentioned, are perpetually opposed messages from God or from Satan. You know, we see it first off in in the Garden of Eden. And the lie is creature worship. If we think about Romans 1, how it just continually degrades and degrades and degrades and he hands them over and, and uh, we worship the creature. And, um, and Eric taught on that. I'll touch on that here just briefly in a little bit. Um, the truth is ultimately God's self-revelation, self which is realized in Hebrews 1, 1 and 2. And if you want to, you can turn there. Because yeah, we're going to go actually at the first three verses of Hebrews. <coughs> Hebrews 1, <coughs> 1 and 2, and uh, if anybody's there, they, they can read those first two verses if they'd like. Brian. Wait a minute, you're not, not you're not on. Is the green light on? Oh, it goes from red to nothing. Oh, the batteries must be dead. Okay, I'll read it. All right. Hebrews 1, 1 and 2. God, after he spoke long ago to the fathers and the prophets in many portions and in many ways, in these last days has spoken to us in his son, whom we appointed heir of all things, through whom also, he made the world. So, God has spoken in full and final revelation given to us through Christ who reveals the truth. The truth comes to us in saving fullness in Christ. It's always about Christ. That's uh, uh, um, all we need to look to is his, his life, his, his sinless life that he, he lived for us because we couldn't. His death on the cross, his resurrection, and to promise uh, to sanctify us in his truth. All those, you know, the truth is Jesus Christ. He's been once for all delivered to the saints. Um, we also see in, in Hebrews 12 that Jesus uh, uh, is the creator. And he's also the sustainer. In Hebrews 1.3, which reads, um, And he is the radiance of his glory and the exact representation of his nature, and upholds all things by the word of his power. When he had made purifications of sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. So um, we see that people that reject Christ, they are rejecting the truth of Christ, who is transcendent over all, he's created all, and he sustains all. Um, that is believing the lie and rejecting the truth by rejecting Christ. I'm going to go back to uh, Eric taught us through this scripture, er, uh, Romans 125. It was back in October of last year. And uh, he said this, and I, I mentioned it earlier when we were on this slide, the Bible is full of very bad exchanges. People often demonstrate their sinfulness by exchanging Yahweh, the true God, for an idol. And if we look back at Exodus 32, 1 through 6, that is where uh, Moses is up on the mountain with Yahweh, and the people get impatient, and they commission Aaron, who participates, in making the golden calf. So they exchange the truth of the lie way, way back in Exodus 32 for a golden calf, an idol made from hands. Um, we see it in Genesis uh, 25, 
where Esau exchanged his birthright and all the privileges that went with that, a double portion of the inheritance and everything else for a bowl of stew because he was hungry. He, uh, uh, it was, it was uh, again, an idol. He was worried about his own body, about his own self. And he for, 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 uh, went all the uh, birthright um, um, privileges. And, and if you'll turn to uh, Hebrews 12, if you're still in Hebrews 12, 15, and 16, we're going to see what the consequences of uh, believe, uh, you know, exchanging the truth for a lie is. We see it here um, given to us in Hebrews 12, 15, and 16. And are we mic'd up now, Brian? Okay, and listen to what became of Esau. See to it that no one comes short of the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springing up causes trouble, and by it many be defiled, that there be no immoral or godless person like Esau who sold his birthright for a single meal. Immoral became immoral, you know, and, and sold it so. And then a bitter root deceiving people. Um, so there's Satan at work again. Um, what I'd like to do here too, I think I'm gonna. I, I've got uh, some of Eric's. No, I took the notes from Eric's uh, teaching back in October on on this particular verse. And if you'll remember, um, we t- he talked about three reversals, uh, three exchanges, and three handing overs. You know, the exchanges in Romans, uh, if, if you want to turn, turn to Romans one twenty one and following there, give you a little chance to get back there. Um, but we'll see in verse 23 the three exchanges. Verse 23 reads, people exchanged God for idols. Verse 25 is people exchange the truth of God for the lie. Verse 26, people exchanged natural sexuality for perversion. So those are three exchanges that happen. And then the three handing overs we see in verse 24 where people are handed over to the lust of their heart. Verse 26, people are handed over to degrading passions. In verse 28, people are handed over to a depraved mind. Now, Eric also taught about the three reversals, you know, uh, that he is going to uh, uh, exchange uh, people. There will be uh, people exchanging uh, gods for idols in verse 21 through 23 and people exchanging knowledge for foolishness. In in verse 25 and 26, uh, the dishonoring of God People dis- will dishonor their own body when they dishonor God. And verse 28, not approving of God, people are given an unapproved mind. So reversals in those particular verses. I went over that kind of fast. Peter's giving me a, 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 a frowning look. I, maybe I didn't get it. Okay. Uh, when people exchange God for idols, God uh, reverses it where people exchange knowledge for foolishness. When people dishonor God, people dishonor their own bodies, the impurity. Yep, and when people do not approve of God, they are given an unapproved mind. So we have the, the enlightened mind the, the, uh, uh, and the, 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 the salvific people who are saved and those who are not. That would be good to revisit that. Nice to have good pastors. Okay, Genesis 3, 4, and 5, the origin of the lie. We all know this one, but we can't wear it out. The serpent said to the woman, you surely will not die, for God knows that in the day you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Satan's lie is you can sin and not die. And he also offered godlike knowledge and autonomy. Now, autonomy is self-rule. We, we are in captain of our own ship. No one tells what us, us what to do. And uh, we know better than God. And we'll make our own rules and it'll be fine. You know, God will just kind of wink and nod at sin and uh, let us in to heaven. Not the case. But uh, Satan, as it tells us in Genesis 3, 1, 
you guys are turned there, I, I, I will read it here. You don't necessarily need to turn there. Genesis 3.1 reads, Now the serpent was more crafty than any beast of the field with the Lord God, God had made. And he said to the woman, Indeed has God said, You shall not eat from any tree of the garden. Verse, verse 2, And the woman said to the serpent, From the fruit of the trees of the garden we may eat, but from the fruit of the tree which is in the middle of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat from it or touch it, lest you die. So what we see here is the serpent immediately questioned what God said. And the battle is always against, uh, against the truth that God has spoken. And it, we all, if you don't know, Eve changed what God had said here. She added, or touch it, lest you die. And um, this is not scriptural, but it, I, I thought about this. This was in some of the notes that Bob gave me. Bob, you say in here that God said, uh, Eve changed what God said to make him sound unreasonable. You know, isn't that what we always kind of do when, 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 when we're lying? You know, just kind of trying to make an excuse, make it sound more reasonable. Well, I did a but, 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 you know, you know because it, and so I just thought that was enlightening. You know, I guess we can't totally see, we, we can't see into to Eve's motivation for sure, but it, it is a very, very likely uh, uh, um, scenario. He, he, made it, he made God sound more unreasonable. It was easier for her then to participate in the sin. Um, can someone turn, turn to Psalm 2, verses 1 through 3? I am going to turn there too. Which, and does, would anyone like to read that? Why are the nations in an uproar and the peoples devising a vain thing? The kings of the earth take their stand and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, let us tear their fetters apart and cast away their cords from us. Thank you, Jen. Um, we hear where um, this, this uh, bonds, they, uh, let's see who's sitting in heaven, uh, do, 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 do. Uh, let us bur burst their bonds apart and cast away their cords from them. Uh, they are thinking they're in bondage because of God. I'd like to read MacArthur's study notes here about that. Um, for verse 3, their bonds, their cords, mutinous mankind, instead of understanding that these are God's love bonds, as we see in Hosea uh, 11.4, view them as yoke bonds, as we read in Jeremiah 5.5. 5. Um, so, as it, relating to the origin of the lie and um, autonomy, here we see autonomous man again, you know, taking their own rule. These bonds of, of God are, 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 are a, heavy, a heavy yoke. We're tearing them off. We're going to do it our way. So it just we see autonomy here in this, in this uh, scripture as well, Psalm 2, 1, and 3. Um, let's see. We also see in the New Testament here that the deceiver Satan, uh, the New Testament identifies as the serpent. And um, we'll look at a Revolution Revelation 12.9. I got to get in my other screen here. Revelation 12.9. Thinking as uh, um, Satan is a serpent. And the dragon was thrown down. The serpent of old who is called the devil and Satan who deceives the whole world. He was thrown down to earth and his angels were thrown down, thrown down with him. Um, so that's a wonderful promise to us too that he is going to be ultimately defeated praise God for that I was studying this and I came across something that I thought would be interesting to us um, Ezekiel 28 13 um, where he uh, Ezekiel talks about Satan being in the garden of Eden if uh, Bob you can get there quick Ezekiel 28 13 I just thought it's always nice to uh, it's not that we doubt that, that Satan was in, in the garden, but uh, when you find another scripture verse backing it up. Here it is. <clears throat> you were in Eden, the garden of God. Every kind of precious stone covered you, carnelian, topaz, and diamond, 
beryl, onyx, jasper, sapphire, turquoise, emerald. Your mountings and settings were crafted in gold. They were prepared on the day you were created. How many verses? Th th that's good enough. I just okay. want to say you were in the Garden of Eden. Yep. And he yep. was actually quite a marvelous creature, you know, to begin with, you know, and, and uh, the shining one, as his name means, you know, and uh, um, he disguised himself as a serpent, you know, uh, and uh, so there we see him deceiving again, but I just... Uh, wanted to point that verse out to you in case you wanted another one to see uh, Satan in the garden. Um, Satan shrewdly lied and claimed that God both lied and purposely withheld something beneficial. And Adam and Eve do die spiritually immediately. They have disobeyed God at that point, so spiritually they are dead. And uh, uh, um, physically they die later, which was not God's intent before the fall. And I don't mean to say that he didn't know what was going to happen. <laughs> <You know? laughs> okay. Um, this was a, a great verse here. Let's look at 2 Corinthians 11.3 and then we'll look at 14. Here we're going to see serpent, uh, the serpent beguiled Eve and that we need to be on guard also. We'll see that in... Uh, verse 14, but 2 Corinthians 11, 3. And you guys are turning faster than I am. I got it. Okay, thank you. But I fear that as the serpent deceived Eve by his cunning, your minds may be seduced from a complete and pure devotion to Christ. Amen. There we go. Deception again. Deceived. What was, what was the word in there, Bob, that he used? Well, it said that the serpent deceived Eve, yeah. and he would seduce yeah. the church from their pure devotion to Christ. And then he goes on and warns about another Jesus, another gospel, and another spirit. And uh, if you get to 14, then, well, you go where you want, but we eventually we'll read 14, too. Well, see, people don't believe this. You should have seen the really mean and horrific email I got. Um, it was from the guy whose email address was Pastor So and so. And he just tore into me, including vile language, <laughs> because somebody that he'd been teaching read one of my articles, and then left his group. So he just ripped into me viciously. And so then I, I'm glad I'm not young anymore in some ways. That would have been a big battle before. Now I just, I said to him, well, uh, I'd be willing to discuss anything that I've taught. I'm willing to defend. So if you tell me what the issue was, that ha that was going on, I'll explain what I said or why or whatever. And then I get another email back from his pastor. He said, I am not going to feed your demons mm, wow. or play your games. Okay, so he, th yeah. so he thinks I have demons that I'm playing games. Deceiving. Well, He's see, deluding. there are pastors who don't believe... 2 Corinthians 11, 3 and 4. Mm -hmm. They don't believe there's another spirit, another Jesus, and another gospel. So they think they can teach anything they want. I don't even know what it was. And everybody has to believe it. And if you disagree, then you have demons. I, I dropped it. I'm, you know, like I said, if I was a young guy, I would have fought him. Uh, Maybe, probably, knowing me. I thought, this isn't going to go anywhere. He takes it on himself to say, I have demons. And I don't even know yet what it was he disagreed with me about. He wouldn't even talk about that. And uh, we need to realize that the stakes are high. And it's about eternal souls. Do you think another gospel will save anybody? Will another Jesus save you? Will another spirit, 
anoint you for evangelism? No. And we had to be able to find out which is which. But Paul was concerned that the church would be deceived in the same manner that the serpent deceived Eve. And she and he questioned God's motives. He questioned what God said. And he questioned the outcome. You'll not surely die. This is beneficial. So it's crucial that we find out what is the truth and what is the lie. And just because we want to know doesn't mean we have demons. Okay, Brian first then. Erwin Lutzer has a series out called Who Are We to Judge? And in that series, he calls out and names names of uh, heretics, uh, people in the health and wealth uh, teaching, you know, the television uh, guys and on the radio. And after he had named these names, he played uh, uh, audio and video of these people rebutting him to their congregation. And some of the stuff that they said was so horrendous and vile, I couldn't even believe it. He's talking, they were talking about machine gunning. The, the, the uh, Lutzer and other people who say that their teaching is heretical, they're talking about hurting and coming against them. And, you know, I'd like to see them try to come in here. And, I mean, it was just, it, it was unbelievable. But these are, these are all names that you, we'd all be familiar with if you're uh, 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 familiar with those types of uh, heretics. And it, and it keeps getting worse. Mm-hmm. Well, they do a good job of fooling people with that with that health and wealth gospel. I mean, they they they've been spinning. Yeah, yeah. Um, I was just wondering. You know, you guys teach such clear categories. You know, but before I came to this church, I didn't have categories. Hmm. And when you're out in the world, people don't have clear categories at all. And you know, this postmodern mindset has permeated every aspect of our life, everywhere we go, from law to medicine, everywhere, <coughs> education. Yeah you're going to confront postmodernism. So I'm wondering, can you give us a clear definition, you know, people listening or whatever who've never heard of it before, just in a couple sentences, what this is and how it's affecting their lives? The postmodern lie? I'm going to defer to the master. <laughs> well, I did, Who wrote I, a whole book on this, which was wonderful. That. Yeah, uh, And yeah. I actually have gone to the source. I've gone to their conference. Yep. I've talked face-to-face with their leaders. I debated one of their leaders. Yep. And really, it boils down to erasing categories. Yeah. So the truth said, and yeah. the lie are categories with hard and fast boundaries. You can't have both. One's true and one's false. Let me go, let's go way back to the source, and I might help you understand it. We have a postmodern president right now. And you may think what he does makes no sense. It does in his worldview. Mm-hmm. They're Hegelian. Yes, okay. I know this one. Hegelian. Okay, <laughs> Hegel said what seems to be contradictions are simply evolving into a third option. Instead of A and non-A, you have an evolution into a better third option. And everything's evolving into utopia utopia and yeah. paradise. Yeah. So, see, the reason postmodern has to reject us and the gospel is that we believe in heaven and hell. See, a Christian worldview says everything is heading toward two different destinies. Heaven with Christ, or hell, with the devil and his angels. Mm -hmm. And that there's a chasm between the two. two. Remember Jesus said that Mm -hmm. in a parable or a story about Lazarus and the rich man? Right. Okay? Postmodern cannot stand that. So when I debated Doug Padgett, I kept going back to that. And you saw him if you were there. 
he was slick and he'd go here and he'd he go was. there. And yeah, he was. He'd say radio waves can go through walls. You know, when we were talking about persons, not radio waves. Yeah. And see. Different category. All knowledge, including general revelation, requires the ability to distinguish categories. Mm-hmm. Okay, so postmodern says there are no categories. Everything's evolving into something better. And the only real evil in the world is anybody who's resisting the evolution. Okay? Now, both communist Russia and Nazi Germany were Hegelian. Okay? They both believed in the Hegelian synthesis. You have Marx and Heidegger. Heidegger was a Nazi philosopher and he's the first one to call himself postmodern. Why kill all these Jews? Because they wouldn't go along with the synthesis. Mm-hmm. They believed in the Ten Commandments, that certain things are true and certain things are false. So they have to kill them, to get rid of them. Same thing was going on. Millions of people died in the Soviet Union. Millions of people died Nazi Germany, millions of people died in Laos, in Cambodia, and so forth. Dear saints, know this. You and I, who believe the truth, are considered incorrigible. And what they really want is for us to be dead. Mm-hmm. But now in America, they can't just go kill you. Okay? But, but they hate us. And you see the invective? Somebody hand me a paper. They just, the same things they say about us are just horrendous. Why? Because we're not getting with the program yeah. of evolution into godhood. Yeah. We did a faith at risk on this where I talked about Oprah's spirituality. Everything's evolving. So there's, there's what's going on. We don't believe in spiritual evolution. We believe truth is truth, air is air, never the twain shall meet. So progressivism, leftism, you know, we're okay, liberals, anyone listens to, to, to Dennis Prager, liberalism, that, that, that we, can, we can deal with, you know, but it's leftism and progressivism that believe these, these non-category, they're the postmoderns, they're, yeah. you know. Let's uh, decode uh, that yeah, word. Yeah. If somebody says, I'm progressive, yeah. Do you know what they're saying? I believe in the Hegelian synthesis. That's right. Because Hegel was the one who taught inevitable progress. So decode it. That's what's going on. That's what's being said. That's what's believed. And anybody who doesn't get with it, they look down their nose and say, well, we're some stupid bumpkins that are caught up in the past. And we have a, we We're have not a, evolving with the rest. A presidential candidate that goes to uh, yeah. uh, um, the uh, pro-abortion, what is it, Planned Parenthood, and makes a big speech there so they, she can get their support mm-hmm. and for, for an organization that has its livelihood and murdering the innocents. Yeah. You know, and that's where progressivism gets you. That's where the lie gets you. It's, it's horrendous. There will be consequences. Did you have something? Oh, what? Uh, yeah, just Tom. Uh, yeah. in answer to that question, I heard this before in one word. And, Good, that's and what so Duane's someone, looking for. Someone comes <laughs> in and, and says, well, what is postmodernism? What you'll hear today is a term called whatever, which basically is whatever you want to do is what you want to do. Whatever I want to do is what I want to do. No absolute truth. No, no absolute, absolute truth, truth at all. Yep, so yep. in one word, it's whatever, and you'll hear it constantly. Yeah. If, if it's true for you, that's fine. It's mm-hmm. not necessarily true for me. Yeah, that that yeah. really made a yeah. lot of sense to me. And then yep. also the uh, uh, Stalin and those guys, um, there was a guy in the, I think it was in the 40s or 50s, the head of the Communist Party, called Antonio Gramsci. And so his whole focus was to eliminate killing people because it was difficult. People would we, people would join join whatever they were doing because the fear of dying. But his whole focus was to what he called cultural Marxism, 
which was to have people vote that that's the way that they want to go. So through the educational system, that's really what they're doing right now from Common Core to whatever is the... It's almost done. Is, is, is that kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. So from music to political system to legal or whatever. Seminaries. The yeah. churches. And so now what's going on is that evolution is people go, uh, that's what I want to do, and there is yeah. no absolute truth. I think that's your answer, Luann. There is no absolute truth. What's true for you is true for me. We say there is absolute truth. There is God's truth, and there is the lie. And I think that's about as simple as you can tell people. You know, and what I think about when I'm talking to people that don't believe the Bible, I ask them, what is their final authority? You know, and, and I tell them my final authority is the word of God. And, and if, if you're not going to believe that, I can, I can try and convince you of that. But if you, whatever your final authority is, if it's you, you know, we're not going to, we're not going to agree, on, agree on much. But uh, we do have a final authority, the truth, you know, the gospel, you know. And uh, then there's the lie. You guys are doing such a good job, and the whole group is, and you're trying to move this along. I just can't resist. Saying I don't care what moving it along. <laughs> I just want to. I just wanted to make sure. This is kind of obvious, but you know the pattern is always the same. Uh, how, you know, how uh, people who stand up for truth are always accused. You know, Satan. The way he works, the pattern is always there. That's a whole other, probably a whole other subject to really see how evil works with the accusing of the very thing that they're guilty of. And I think about what Bob experienced with that uh, person. You know, you are filled with demons, you know, your device. And, and it's exactly there. It's like my mother used to say, the pot calling the kettle black. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it just shows itself so often. It's good for us to be able to recognize those patterns. Yep. Yeah. I'm going to sum this slide up with a quote from Eric from his teaching from October last year. All these exchanges that we have been talking about, the truth for the lie, she said, these, all these very bad exchanges are rooted in the wicked, evil exchange. The exchange that happened in the garden where Adam and Eve exchanged the truth of God for the lie, the lie that we are God, that we can determine for ourselves what is right and wrong. This is the culture that we're living in America today. This is, this is Western civilization. You know, so We have absolute truth. We know what the absolute truth is. We only know that through the grace of God. He's the one who opened our hearts and our minds. And uh, um, if you don't have that, this is all nonsense to you. And uh, so, thank you. Great discussion. We'll move on to the next slide. Ah, yes, Jesus uh, in his discussion with the uh, religious leaders. John 8, 31 and 32. You know, Jesus came here and preached the truth. The scripture reads, So Jesus was saying to those Jews who had believed him, If you continue in my word, then you are truly disciples of mine, and you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. The message of Jesus Christ is the truth, as we've been saying. And when we say that we're going to continue, as we highlighted in blue here, Continue means to abide or to stay put. And, and Bob, you really drilled that into my head. I hope to everybody else's. Uh, I always used to think of uh, abide as remain, which is a fine definition, but I prefer stay put as a better way for me. It just, it's just a little more definite for me. So to stay put in the truth, uh, continue in the word. And uh, truth freedom is freedom from the results of Satan's damning lie. Now, we see in this verse here that these believers, so Jesus was saying to, the, to those Jews who had believed him, they'll soon turn against Christ in a, in a, in a, in a vicious manner. And uh, let's see if I can take these off. Um, it's therefore the case that if, a, if, if there is genuine faith, those who hold it will abide and be, dis, be disciples. We see here not long after this John 8 discourse here that, they're going to kill Christ. They want to kill Christ. They hate him. But look at it. It says, to those who had believed him, you know. But they didn't believe it when it came time to uh, uh, um, remain in the truth. We read in 1 John two twenty three through 25. I've got that here. You don't need to turn to it if you don't like. But uh, that there were those whose faith was only based on signs and was superficial. I'm sorry, I'm just just summarizing here. In John 6, 
people who correctly identified Jesus as the prophet predicted by Moses in Deuteronomy 18.5 eventually turned against him when Jesus, when, when they were challenged with Jesus's claim. So as long as it was easy to believe they did, but then uh, when they were, he was upset, upsetting their belief system, when he challenged them with his claims, they turned against him. Got a quote here from D.A. Carson regarding this verse. And, and, and it reads here, the opening clause seems innocuous until it becomes apparent in the ensuing verses that the Jews who had believed him, apparently referring to the many who put their uh, faith uh, in him in the preceding verse, turned out, to, turned out to be, in Jesus' view, slaves to sin. We see that in uh, John uh, 8.34. They were indifferent to Jesus, Jesus' word in, in uh, verse 37, and they were children of the devil. This is all what uh, Jesus calls them in verse 40, 44. And in verse 40, 45, Jesus calls them liars and, and guilty of mob tactics, including attempted murder of the one in whom they had professed to believe. So their, their belief was not true. When they were faced with their need to abide, to stay put, and find freedom, they rebelled in a most serious way and rejected the truth. Staying in John 8 again, Jesus' hearers preferred the lie. This again is the Lexham uh, translation from Lagos, John 8, 44. You are of the father, the devil, and you want to do the, the, the desires of your father. That one was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand firm in the truth because the truth is not in him. Whenever he speaks the lie, he speaks from his own nature because he is a liar and the father of lies. And uh, this, the lie literally, literally the, reads it in, in the Greek. Is that it, Bob? He says, yeah. He, uh, yeah, it does say the lie. And this says he's a liar. Mm-hmm. Right. And the father of it in the Greek. Okay. It doesn't say lies in the Greek. It says the father of it. Well, what's it? The lie. Yes. So Satan has a message that he's been preaching since the Garden of Eden. He preached it to Eve. You will not die. You can sin. You'll be like God. You don't have to. So he's erasing categories. Mm-hmm. Satan was the first progressive. <laughs> Amen. Hello. Yeah. <laughs> and that was the lie. You can sin and not die. You can be like God. And so when it says he's the father of it, He's the father of the lie. And so Jesus confronted these people with the fact that they were rejecting him, who's the truth, and therefore proving that they have more affinity to the lie. Those are two different messages. Mm -hmm. They don't evolve into some new third option. They stay the same throughout human history. And I don't know if we'll have time, but in the end, we have some slides in Thessalonians mm. where at the end of the age, the issue is still the truth and the lie. It doesn't go away. Yeah, and it becomes a strong delusion. It's even ramped up and we'll be under, uh, believers will be under vicious attack, as I think we are now. Uh, yeah, so they, they, they didn't abide in the truth. They became committed to the lie. Uh, they didn't want, they thought it was bondage, but it was, they, they rejected the, the opportunity to be free. As we saw in Psalm 2, they, they uh, saw it as bondage. They needed the freedom of Jesus, but uh, to have it, they would have to repent and believe the truth, and they weren't willing to do that. Yeah. So uh, just moving, uh, one last thing on this slide here, uh, the Hebraic language where it says, uh, your father is also this parallel to the son of, which uh, is characterized by a kinship of behavior. So he, and, and, and so the Jews that he was talking to knew that that's what he was saying. You are of your father, the devil. You are characterized with the kinship of behavior and values of the devil. So much for the nice, kind, peaceful Jesus, right? All right. Um, we can look at this one, Bob, unless you want to move on to Second Thessalonians, uh, or are we out of time? It looks short here. Yep, that's fine. We can pick this up at another time here. Uh, um, at the, at this point, uh, I will close in prayer.
Heavenly Father, we ask that uh, you protect a, put a, a hedge of protection around us as we go about our daily business, that uh, you keep us awake. We know that uh, Satan roars around, or roams around like a roaring lion looking for whom he may devour. We ask that we put on our helmet of salvation, all the full armor of God, that we would not be deceived by him and that you would give us clear, um, concise words that uh, to proclaim your truth and, um, and that those people who hear the truth would then believe. Thank you for this church, Heavenly Father, and our pastors and all these people who love you and your word. Keep them safe as we go about today and the rest of our week to meet here again next week. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. amen.